I always also think about sort of my kids. I use them to help me, you know, make tough decisions. And I Mm -hmm. think about what they might think about these decisions that I'm making in the future. And if they're going to talk about it in a positive light or a negative light. I always think about that conversation they have at a cafe after they're married. Oh, remember when dad did this or this or this? I yeah. want that all to be positive, right? And so that, that really drives me to make these decisions in a way that I know is going to be the right decision. This is the Gently Mad, a show where I talk to and pick the brains of the smartest people running creative online businesses. Actually, not so much. If you're looking for that inspirational kick in the pants to help take your life and career to the next level, then this is probably not the place for you. To be perfectly honest, this podcast is about me. Hey, I'm Adam Clark, and I'm your host. Thanks for listening. I do talk to people on this show, but instead of that double rainbow of success BS that you'll get in most entrepreneurial shows, we talk about failure, self-doubt, and all the insecurities that we all have that keep us from doing much of anything with our lives. If that sounds like your kind of thing, then head over to avclark.com slash TGM and subscribe. Any actionable advice or helpful tips are simply a byproduct and purely unintentional. What's up, my friends? Welcome to The Gently Mad. I'm Adam Clark. I'm your host. Thanks, as always, for listening and for contributing and for doing all the shit that you do that makes this show possible. It is, uh, we're going on six weeks now, and it's, it's, um, man, I don't even know how to describe it. I'll just say this. We're six weeks into this show, and I am already at a place where I could make a full-time living from this show. I'm not currently making a full-time living because I'm choosing to do one sponsor at a time because I want to do sponsors differently, and that may change. I may do two in the future. But at least for now, I want to try doing one and doing it a little bit differently. And that limits, you know, with with two sponsors, you essentially double how much you can make per episode. And I'm doing one. But if I were doing two, I could live full time off that money. And that just blows my mind, you know, that 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 has that's where we are after six weeks. And that's all all thanks to you. So thank you for listening. Thank you for sharing, rating and reviewing. I still would appreciate you doing all that stuff, but mostly what I would love is if you like this show, then just tell someone about it, you know, tell someone you think would like, you know, someone you think would like it, tell them about it because that's the only way it's going to grow. Um, I've got a few new things to get out of the way here real quick before we dive into this week's episode, which by the way is with Pat Flynn. Um, I, I think he really needs no introduction. Everyone listening to this probably knows who Pat Flynn is, but this was a very interesting conversation. I learned a lot of things about Pat that I didn't know, and I kind of went into it trying to find that stuff out, trying to find out the stuff about Pat that that isn't common knowledge. And, you know, I, I've been in this online mark, content marketing online business space for a couple months now, and it's it's freaking sleazy. I'll tell you the truth. There's this dark underbelly (laughs) to this world full of con artists and liars and just freaking nut jobs. And and I really wanted to talk to Pat about that because most people kind of reference him as someone who is above that and who's honest and, you know, really authentic and real with people and doesn't try to con people. And I wanted to talk about what 
what is this whole thing with online business? Why why is this there's this dark underworld and it just seems like a giant, you know, circle jerk of, of people trying just everyone pimping each other's shit and no one really teaching anyone anything. And like I said, Pat seems to kind of rise above some of that and, and I wanted to talk to him about it. It was fascinating. He gave me like you know, I know some of some tricks that these people use and he, he gave me some more that I had no idea. Well, this this one, you know, I won't spoil anymore, but I'll tell you this one. This one's fascinating. Have you ever gotten an email from someone and then like the next day you get another email saying uh, there, was, there was some incorrect information in the email? Dude, I had no idea. Pat told me that, like that is a very common tactic and there really wasn't any incorrect. Well, actually, that they send out the email with incorrect information on purpose just as another way to email you again about their thing. Stuff like that, shit like that, that I had had no idea about. And he he, he kind of told me some other stuff, some other tactics that people do. So we talked about that. And we also just talked about, really, how to not lose yourself in this world. It's, uh, it's very difficult when you find yourself succeeding at something and your audience is growing and now there's money on the line and sometimes a lot of money. And how do you not lose yourself? How do you stay true to who you were and what you started out to make and not not compromise your principles and not, you know, change just for money and wake up one day thinking like, who, who is this person I've become? This is not who I started out as. We talked about all that kind of stuff. So it was a great, great conversation. I was very excited to have him on the show. And uh, we'll get to that in just a minute. I think you'll enjoy it. But a couple quick things first. Um, as I said, thank you for listening. Thank you for doing all the stuff you're doing. I wanted to announce last week's winner of the giveaway. Uh, last week I was giving away a copy of Stephen King's On Writing, which is a fantastic book that really isn't just about writing. It's about a lot more than that. And the winner of that contest is Jen Going. And I always think I'm pronouncing her name wrong because going just sounds like it's pronounced wrong. <laughs> so, Jen, I will be emailing you if you're listening and connecting with you and getting address info and all that stuff to send you a copy of this book because it's a great one. And uh, this week, we've got a killer giveaway. Cotton Bureau, if you're not familiar with Cotton Bureau, cottonbureau.com. They make t-shirts. They make really, really cool t-shirts. And they reached out to me and said, hey, we'd love to give away a t-shirt for one of your contests. So this week, if you uh, get in on the giveaway, you'll get a free shirt. And it's uh, a shirt of your choosing. You can go through anything that's available and, and get any shirt of your choosing for free, including shipping. So if you're interested in that, head over to avclark.com slash free and get in on the contest, and maybe you'll win a shirt. So they've got some pretty cool stuff. I'd encourage you to check them out, and thanks a lot to Cotton Bureau for donating a shirt for this week's giveaway. All right. Um, man, I'm not quite sure where to start with this. It's It's been a rough period. It seems like it's always rough with me, and, and it is a lot of the time, because... Despite what some online business, lifestyle business, coach, guru, marketing people want you to believe, this stuff is hard. It's really hard. And a lot of times, there's a lot of hours, a lot of late nights, 
a lot of, you know, early mornings. And sometimes you just feel like, for what? You know, what is this getting me? Where am I going? What's the point of all this? And I'm going to play you a clip. I actually recorded this while I was in the car on my iPhone. So quality's not quite as good. But I, I was recording this um, this weekend. And uh, I don't know. I feel like it's some good thoughts. And I wanted to play that clip for you. It's a couple clips, actually. So I'm going to go to that right now. And just to give you the setup, basically, I was on the way to pick up my wife uh, some dinner that she had requested and just feeling overwhelmed with a number of things. So I pulled out my iPhone and I, I tend to sort of audio journal now and then. And and this is this is what you're listening to or about to listen to right now. Man, I don't know. Do you guys ever feel like... There's something you want to do so much, but you just don't know how. Or maybe it's not even that you don't know how, but just that you're afraid you're going to suck. I don't know. I just, I spent the last, well, I spent the weekend really uh, watching Alex Bloomberg's uh, class on creativelive.com. And I remember purchasing the class when it was on sale a long time, like months ago, it seems like. But I recently just listened to his interview, Alex Bloomberg's interview on the Tim Ferriss show, which I like a lot. And it kind of uh, reminded me, oh, yeah, you know, I, I got that class. And so I, sh- I should really take a look at that. And it's, ugh, it's so much, so much content, hours and hours and hours of content. But it's really good. And it's all about him talking about storytelling and the power of storytelling and and his career as an NPR writer, radio uh, producer, storyteller. He kind of goes through how he created startup and and all of that. And I just it just made me feel like you know I suck. You know what I do is just—it's not even in the same universe. You know, I was starting to get all full of myself. Like, look what I've done here. You know, it's been six weeks and I've created a podcast that that has enough listeners to pay me a full-time income. I mean, in six weeks, who does that? That's ridiculous. And, and I was thinking to myself, just like, you know, man, I, I'm, you know, I don't know. I wasn't literally thinking I'm something special, but somewhere back there, I was a little proud of myself. I was a little bit like, you know, um, I'm good at this, you know, because I've accomplished this thing. I've done this thing that many podcasters would like to do and haven't been able to accomplish. And then I watched that class, and I, and I listened to episodes of Startup and Reply All and the stuff that Alex is doing, and even Tim Ferriss' show, and I just feel like I suck. You know, like I'm just not that good. And what I'm doing is just, it's just a shadow. It's like a, it's like a, it's like a frail attempt at what those guys are doing. But instead of making me, f- like, feel like, you know what, I can get better, I can do this, you know, it just makes me feel depleted, it makes me feel like, you know, almost like I should quit, like, what's the point of trying, because I'm never going to be that good, I don't know. So then, 
I go into the restaurant uh, to get my wife this food, and while I'm in line, I read this email that I had received that was very touching and kind of changed changed my mood, changed my outlook on, on what I had just said and, and what I had been kind of feeling for the last few days. So here's here's that clip. So I just went in to get my wife dinner that she requested. And uh, while I was in there waiting in line, I checked my email. And I had this email from a reader named Josh. And I got to kind of pull my phone a little bit farther away from my face so I can read it. But I, I got this email and it just makes me feel like a dick now after all that kind of whining and complaining. Josh sent me this email entitled slaying your fucking dragons and this is what he said this isn't actually about dragons though if you want to talk about that then i would be happy to i was just trying to think of something that would get you to open my email originally i was going to email you some thoughts feedback i had about your interview with lee nash i design and execute skill and leadership coaching for math teachers which means i give lots of people feedback and i often feel qualified to give people feedback when i have no business doing so i work for teach for america in the bay area and live in san jose you can find me on twitter as josh bobbitt b-o-b-b-i-t-t two b's and two t's and Facebook.com slash Josh Bobbitt. I'm not an entrepreneur per se, but I create my own job, work constantly, make value with my brain, etc. Now, I just want to email you to tell you how much I appreciate what you're doing. I think your audience explosion makes it clear that there's an audience for what you're doing, and man, I so feel this. I love folks like Stephen Pressfield and Seth Godin, and they help pull me out of many, many pits of unproductive flailing and shame spirals. But sometimes they just make it worse because, and then this is about me, not them, they make me feel like I should just get the fuck over it and get back to work. Hearing someone talk about how that's not easy and lay that bare and be willing to go public with his struggles in front of people whom he admires is a thing that is so deeply resonant with me and I think you found something special. I would just love to hear you talking more about that stuff, the impact of that stuff, things you're reading, things that are happening in the world, even things you're downloading, your download numbers or ratings or how many people are supporting you. I think there's such power in hearing someone like you lay bare the day-to-day human impact of consistently creating your work. That's really all, man. I just want to tell you how much I value the work you're doing, appreciate the vulnerability you're bringing to a space that isn't often vulnerable, and your willingness to show up in front of a mic however you might be showing up that day, and being transparent with us about your own journey. We need more people who are so brave. Keep doing this shit. Josh. (sighs) Man. I don't even know. I don't even know. I don't know how to respond to that. I mean, it makes me feel really good, of course. Like I'm getting even a little emotional right now that uh, this thing that I've made and that I put hours into, hours, like so many fucking hours every week, 
into this show means that much to someone. I don't even know if it means that much to me, you know? And, um... I don't know. I just want to make it better. I just want to get better. I want... I want to continually be improving and making this show as good as it can possibly be. Even if that means completely changing it. And I don't know exactly how to do that is my problem. That's what I was talking about before. But at least I feel a little better. You know, you can't... This is the point. If you've had one person email you an email like that, just one, okay, then keep doing what you're doing because you've had an impact on someone and you never know how that impact is going you never know what that is going to do to them how that might affect them and then whom they might impact and then whom that person might impact i mean it's so easy to get discouraged when your audience is small i I mean I, i know i remember and i'm still there my audience isn't huge it's not like i've got a million people listening to the show but I remember when I had 12 people on my newsletter. And I know it's hard to feel like, well, shit, 12 people. What what difference does that make? 12 people can make all the difference in the world. I mean, they're real people. I mean, imagine you're standing right now in a room and there are 12 people seated in front of you wanting to know what you have to say, asking for your advice and your input into their lives. I mean, it'd feel a lot different then, wouldn't it? I don't know, I'm kind of preaching to myself at this point, trying to convince myself that this show is meaningful and valuable and worthwhile, and then I should keep doing it. It's not that I want to quit, it's not, I'm not going to quit, I've already decided, you know, no matter how hard it gets, no matter how low I get, I'm not quitting this thing, but sometimes I want to, because I just feel ashamed of the quality, I feel like, man, I listen to some other people, other podcasts, like Alex Bloomberg, like Ira Glass, like Mark Marin, like Krista Tippett with On Being, I listen to some of these shows, and I just think, they're so good, man, they're so fucking good at what they're doing, and I just feel like I'll never, ever get there, but then, I don't know, I guess I have to remember that Ira, Alex, Krista, Mark, These people have all been doing this for decades. Decades! Ira Glass has been doing This American Life for 20 years. And I've only been podcasting for two years. And only for six weeks have I been, like, really taking it seriously. So, (laughs) it sounds kind of stupid to be whining at this stage of the game. I don't know, maybe ten years from now, if I'm still exactly where I'm at, then maybe I, I would have a valid reason to whine and have a little pity party about my lack of quality. So, I don't know. I feel better. I hope you feel better. If you're in that place, I hope you feel better. So thanks, Josh, for that email. I think it hit me at the right time. I needed to hear that. An encouragement, I appreciate it. And I hope uh, that encourages you if you're in a similar place as I've been feeling lately. And never underestimate your influence. There are always people who know less than you, who are behind you, and that you could help. 
It may not seem like it, but it's true. So don't devalue the people on your list or your listeners or your readers or whoever, whatever it is, because it's a small number. They're real people and they're giving you their attention, which is the greatest currency we have these days. All right. Okay. Well, as I said, I really enjoyed this conversation with Pat. It it was different than a lot of conversations I've had recently and it was a lot of fun. So I'm going to get to it. I hope you enjoy it. And we'll be right back with that after this quick word from our sponsor. So most of you know by now that Fizzle is our sponsor for this month. And I can't say enough good things about Fizzle. It's it's just an amazing community, the, the most amazing community that I've ever been a part of. But it's so much more than that. It's community, it's education, it's friendship. I've said this before, but it's just it's a group of people who are right where you are who won't let you quit. And that's the biggest thing. And they're offering an amazing deal for you that I'll get to right after this. But I wanted to play a clip from the latest episode of The Fizzle Show, which they do every week. And it's just filled with tons of great information. But this little clip here just, I mean, says it all. Says it all about why you should take part in this offer. What you get to do now is you get to realize you don't have to reinvent the wheel. You can watch what other people are doing in your particular archetype. Now, uh, some guys are going to be <clears throat> authors selling books, trying to grow an audience on the side. Other guys are going to be selling SaaS products, uh, you know, software as a service. Other other folks are going to be doing this, that, or the other, and there's going to be little. There's gonna be all these differences and subtleties between the different business models that is that are really instructive. I think the step that a lot of entrepreneurs never get to is simply the act of charging people for something or of creating a product yeah. and offering it for sale. Yeah. And really, that's what we're talking about here is what are you going to sell or how is money going to enter your bank account in exchange for some value that yeah. you, you provide? And a lot of people just kind of are out there floundering, mm-hmm. um, trying to do all the stuff, feeling like because I'm blogging and podcasting and attending conferences and blah, 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 that I have a business. But if you don't have something for sale, then you're never going to earn yeah. an income. That's what I love so much about this because now I, I feel like I had to go through this gauntlet for like the last five years trying and trying and trying and trying and trying and trying to to now it's like, oh, I don't have to make this all up from scratch. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you can look at other people and this is, by the way, how they got to where they are. If you want more of where that came from, you can check out The Fizzle Show. It comes out every Friday. And The Fizzle Guys are offering an amazing deal just for you, TGM listeners. They're giving you six weeks free of the entire community. You can check out all the courses, all the founder stories, the forums, connect with people. I can't tell you how many people I know that have made connections within Fizzle and gone on to start some amazing businesses. In fact, we're amassing kind of a little group of TGMers inside of Fizzle as it is. So go to fizzle.co slash TGM and sign up for your free six-week trial and look me up. I'd love to connect with you there in the forums and hopefully help each other out. So again, fizzle.co slash TGM. And once you're over there, look me up. All right, boys and girls, this is it. 
This is the point in the show where we actually get to the conversation with Pat Flynn. I know you're going to love it. I loved this one. So let's get to it. Here's my conversation with Mr. Pat Flynn. I feel like we have some things in in common here and if you're cool with it man we're just gonna go we're gonna go deep really fast all right you know <laughs> yeah, I, dude, I, I love going deep so let's yeah go. well like you you say i don't remember which site of yours it's on but you know and and this you say that you're you know routinely celebrated for your transparent style and authentic you know principles and and that's that's true because when people talk about you when people talk about this online marketing content marketing space there's always this sort of like yeah it's a really sleazy space except for pat flynn you know it's like there's always this uh asterisk it's like you know but but pat flynn does it in a different way and um i do want to get to your story and and background and stuff but that's what i'm really interested in because i've been in the content marketing space for like two months now and I'm realizing there's like this insanely dark underbelly to this world of just like, uh, I, I didn't know, like I got into it and I'm like, man, there's some really shady people and shady stuff going on here. And, um, and it's just like, it's kind of blowing my mind. So, um, I'm sure you're scary. aware. It's really yeah. scary. What, what, so what is that all about? And, and why do you, you know. Why do you think that you stand out as someone who um, is in this space but manages not to sort of sully themselves, if that, if that question makes sense? Right. I mean, uh, you know, money is a big factor for a lot of people, and it's a big driver and a big motivator. And sometimes people forget about, you know, morals or things that, um, <laughs> you know, I mean, gosh, a lot of people, you know, use money as a motivator to to help them make decisions that, you know, when you step back and ask yourself, you know, is this something I should be doing? Maybe, maybe not. And I think it's just the hard thing is a lot of those tactics and strategies, they're, they're quite easy to implement. It's, I mean, it's really easy on the internet to fake it, you know, totally. to, to, yeah. to pretend to be somebody you're not, or to only share one side of the story. And, and, and these people, they're just, I mean, they, they, they target the, 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 the people who are so desperate too, who have nowhere else to run and, and they just, I mean, it's just the, the scum of the scum yeah, you know, uh, I know. out there. It's, it's, it's very disturbing. I mean, it makes me sick to my stomach sometimes thinking about it. It, I mean, well, it's, it does me too. And I, and I, but I want to be able to sleep at night, you know, which I wouldn't exactly. be able to do. And, exactly. you know, do you, have you encountered anywhere in your, you know, years of doing this, you know, <laughs> there's that moment when you discover, for example, a, a, a tactic or something like you could take this all the way back into the days of like Black Hat SEO and stuff where you discover a tactic. And that's when your character is really tested because, you know, I could employ this right now and and um, inf and inflate my whatever numbers, stats, something. And it would be artificial, but I could do it. And, and there's that moment when you're faced with you know, that this is the real test of my character. So have mm -hmm. you ever, have you ever faced that and, and did something that you, you wished you hadn't, you regretted and you're like, I, I wish I hadn't, uh, wish I hadn't fallen for that and done that. That was a bad move. Well, there are a lot of opportunities that are always coming my way. I mean, where I'm at now in the online space with all the 
um, authority that I have, the trust that I have with my audience. So a lot of people know that anything I share, my audience, you know, they listen, they take action, they purchase things I recommend. And that comes with a lot of responsibility. And, and, and I'm very lucky to have a very outgoing audience as well who will let me know if I do something that I'm not really supposed to do. And so I, I always have them in the back of my mind. I always also think about sort of my kids. I use them to help me you know, make t- tough decisions. And I mm-hmm. think about what they might think about these decisions that I'm making in the future. And if they're going to talk about it in a positive light or a negative light, I always think about that conversation they have at a cafe after they're married. Oh, remember when dad did this or this or this, I yeah. want that all to be positive. Right. And so that, that really drives me to make these decisions in a way that I know is going to be the right decision. And it's hard because there's a lot of money involved too. I get yeah. offers every single day from multiple people. Hey, Pat, I just came out with this product. It's awesome. I'm going to give you 200% commission. You're going to make $500 every time somebody goes through and yeah. purchases one of these things. And Typically, it's something I don't know about or never heard of before, and a lot of times they're amazing copywriters, and they have these fancy emails they send me about what this can do, yep. and it, they're, they're very intriguing. And so that's why I sort of set this rule for myself that whenever I recommend or promote something or share something, it's always something that I've used, something that I can uh, you know, know so well that I can almost provide support for it, and something that has helped me. And that right there wipes away 99% of all the things that come my way and just make it really easy for me to say no. And it makes it easy for people to hear the no too. Um, what happens after that, of course, is people say, oh, well, of course, I mean, I'll, uh, I hear you. I love that. Here's a free trial. You can try it out. And then I'm like, okay, is this something I need right now? Or yeah. is this something I'm just kind of chasing the money for? And I'm like, if it's, this, if it's the latter, it's a, typically a sign. Um, if, if, if the money is the first thing I think about, it's typically a sign that I shouldn't be going that direction. If it's like, wow, this tool can actually help me. And a byproduct of it, of it is that maybe there's commission or I can make money off it. Then that's cool. And then I'll explore it a little bit more and then talk about it with other people, colleagues, friends, and do as much research and testing and exploration and experimentation as I can to make sure that is something that is worthy of you know, sharing with my audience. I mean, that trust I have with them is so, so important. I mean, it's, that's the most important thing in the world. And the minute I promote something that just sucks, um, yeah, they're going to be upset about that product and and upset at that product owner, but they're going to, I mean, I mean, I'm going to lose my trust with them and that's the worst thing that can happen. Have I ever gone down that path? I don't feel like I've ever done anything like that. I mean, I, I got really lucky to be hooked up with a lot of great people who I, I feel like I just connected with them because they shared the same values as me and they yeah. were doing it in the right way. I mean, I'm speaking specifically about Jeremy and Jason from Internet Business Mastery, the first sure. podcast I listened to, and they were great. They were very honest and authentic, and I appreciated that, and I've adopted a lot of that too. And the interesting thing is a couple of years later, they got connected with, and I talked about this in episode 100 of my podcast, and I had them come on and tell the story because a couple of years later, I stopped promoting their stuff. I wasn't really proud of promoting their stuff anymore because they went down a sort of dark road getting yeah. connected with some of the A-listers in, in, in the industry, which I, I get where they were coming from. And it's really exciting to work with a lot of those people, but a lot of those people were implementing strategies that uh, I'm not comfortable with. And yeah. they started following the same path. And yeah. I, I was on their email list and I got the, you know, bombarded with emails, offer after offer, this, you know, false scarcities and things like that. Um, just stuff that just left a bad <laughs> taste in my mouth. And we talked about all this and they were very honest and upfront saying, yeah, we went down a hole we, we shouldn't have. And <laughs> it took us a long time and people like you, Pat, to tell us you aren't yourselves anymore. And, and I, I, I love the, I love the uh, five copies left of a digital product. <laughs> you yeah, know? right. I mean, really? <laughs> Or, 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 I mean, there's, there's so many different of the slimy tactics, like you send an email out and then you send another email out, you know, an hour later saying that you, you had 
um, some false information in there and you wanted to correct it when really you just wanted to email everybody again yeah. and remind them about the offer. Like all these things, automated webinars. I mean, there is a time and place for that and it can be used, but it, it's a power that can be abused as well. And, and you know, there, there's these tools out there that can have people come on and watch a webinar, quote, live as if it was live and you talk as if it was live. You you facilitate questions as if, as if it was live as, as the host, but it's pre-recorded. Mm. And what happens is some of these products go even further and have a fake counter on how many people are watching live that goes up mm-hmm. and down and there's fake names, fake correspondence. It's just, man, that's just like, I don't even want to touch that with a well, hundred foot pole. You know? I, I, I'm torn between some of, okay, so here, here's a classic example of something that is, is um, maybe not completely honest, but could also be useful. Okay. Let's, let's take the example of buying uh, Twitter followers. Okay. Buying fake followers. Okay. Um, nothing I would say necessarily inherently wrong with, with buying followers. Um, but, uh, you know, I read a story of a woman who, you know, she, she was trying to launch a product or get into a new space. So, um, what she did was she, she knew that if she had a bunch of followers that people would take her more seriously. So she bought like 10,000 followers and, and then through that, she was able to connect with 500 real people that were really interested in her. And then she got rid of those 10,000 followers. And, and now she had these 500 that were the real deal. But she wouldn't have gotten that if she hadn't purchased those initial followers that gave her sort of a false sense of authority. Like, to me, something like that is just so on the line. And I, I don't know how I feel about it. I, I see the tactic. I see, like, yeah, your your intention was to get re- to connect with real people. Um, like, some situation like that. Like, where do you fall? Is that unethical or ethical? I mean, that's on the line just like you. I mean, it, it, I, I could see where she's coming from. But did you, did, like... Did those 500 people really say to themselves, wow, this person is, th- is 10,000 followers strong. Should I follow this person? And, or was there a way to make a connection with those people without doing that? Probably, but yeah. you'd have to work a little harder. So I think what, really, what it really is is there's uh, these tactics out there that help people sort of jump to the head of the line and, mm-hmm. and, and sort of you know skip over a bunch of steps. And in some ways, this one is sort of like on the, okay, well, I get that. It's not really hurting anybody. Yeah. Right, but then there are other ones that follow the same, um, you know, philosophy that do hurt somebody and do, you know, dip into people's pocketbooks, and that's that's not good. So this one, I feel like, even though it's shady, and I, and, I mean, it, it's just, yeah, it still it rubs me the wrong way, um, too. I yeah, mean, I, yeah, it does me I mean, too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what if you purchase ten thousand followers who were legit? You know, it's mm-hmm. not just inflating, but you're actually purchasing it with the with the, the primary purpose of connected with 10,000 people who you want to hopefully connect with. And out of those 10 people, maybe a few of them um, will stick around. I mean, I when I started my Facebook page, I took the exact same approach. I was like, you know what, I need I need at least like a couple hundred uh, likes on my Facebook page, yeah, so, so that people can take me seriously. It's the exact same thing, but I purchased real likes through Facebook. I didn't purchase it through some third party thing that they were just going to send, you know, queries to uh, sure. India or something. Although that's what I hear that <laughs> Facebook does anyway. So I don't, I don't know, you know, um, th- there's a line there, uh, absolutely, it, it, and it's tough. And you know, I, I like to do this test to myself sometimes when I'm making these tough decisions or there's these opportunities uh, that there's the, the kid test, like I talked about earlier, but then there's like the grandma test. Like, would I be comfortable telling my grandma or my dad even, because my dad was always like a, you know, follow the rules, does everything right type of guy. Yeah. What, what, what would my dad say? 
about the, mm-hmm. these sort of tactics. And if I were to explain the reason why I'm doing them, like imagine myself explaining to him, is he going to just shake his head left and right? Or is he going to shake his head up and down? If he's shaking it left and right, I know I'm sort of disappointing him <laughs> in that way. Yeah. And uh, maybe that's not what I should do. At least that using that as one of the many gauges is whether or not that's something you should be doing. Yeah. Well, it's very interesting with you because you're in so many, um, like you're just all over the place and you're, I think you're a bit of a face of, in some ways of, of the, the content marketing, online marketing, you know, industry, you know, you've been very successful with it. And, um, you know, I'm just curious, like what this leads me to is, I feel like a lot of the reasons someone like you is successful, like why I've been successful with this show is specifically the authenticity, you know, the not not the fake authenticity, but real, true, honest vulnerability. And I've found just even after a couple of months, um, I start to lose myself a little bit once once it's like we're prepared for failure, but not for success. You know, like once something becomes successful, suddenly all these doors open and um I guess what I'm getting at is how do you stay true to yourself when your main job is is sort of basically to be a salesman? Yeah, I mean, that's a great question. And it's interesting because, like you said, those opportunities come our way and they're coming my way every single day. How do I stay grounded? Well, I have a lot of things in place. And one of them being just my experience seeing other people find success and people who used to be friends who found success, who aren't my friends anymore because they just changed the person that they were. And that hurt me. I mean, I've had long conversations with some of those people. They just changed. The money changed them. Success changed them. And and that just was like, wow, I don't want this to happen to me. I don't want to be a person like that who changes. And I know it wasn't really that person's fault. It was just, you know, there were other things that got in the way or they, they changed their mind about certain things. And I mean, like I said, they're not my friends anymore. And it was, it's very sad to think about that. And well, it can be very unintentional. That's my point is that you fu- suddenly you wake up and you realize, wait a minute, who am I? Who am I becoming? Because you don't right. realize that you're it's not like you're making this choice. I'm going to become, you know, a Sith Lord. You know, it's like <laughs> suddenly you just wake up and you're you find yourself on a path you didn't expect. And so that's where that was going. It's like, how do you protect yourself from slipping into that un- un- unintentionally just because of all the all the opportunities that success and money bring right well i'm thinking about my friends and i'm like man if i was there and i was paying attention and i knew this was happening i would as a friend just go up there and tell them what the hell's go- what, what the hell's going on with you yeah you know slap him in the face a couple times which they which they need and i would want somebody to do the same thing and i've told many people to do that for me and they have yeah they absolutely have my audience included. I tell them in my autoresponder, in my email, all the time on the blog and podcast, hey, if you ever see me doing something that isn't up to the SPI, the Pathland standard, the person that you came to love and trust, tell me, please, because I'm probably going down a dark path and I don't even know it. So be there before I get down to the bottom. They've been really helpful. Has that my happened? Wo- Has people yeah, done, oh, yeah. Have people done that for you? Like what's an example of a where someone kind of did that and you realized, whoa, whoa, I didn't even realize I was doing this. Well, back in 2010, I did this thing called the Niche Site Duel, yeah. where I built a site from scratch publicly on the site. And um, 
you know, it did really well. It did really well. It became a good example for a lot of people on how to do the same thing. And a lot of people have done the same thing and been, have become very successful doing it. A lot of people wanted more. They wanted handholding. And so I created a coaching course to go and do that to help people through an eight-week course, like webinar style with homework, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, the person I had sort of done this niche site duel with, uh, and that's the reason it's a duel because we both, we both kind of created sites at the same time to see who could do better. Um, we decided to work together on this coaching thing. I thought it was the fair thing to do because yeah. we kind of started it together. And then I got a number of emails from people as the process was going along saying that I made the absolute wrong move partnering with, with this person and, and, and uh, because this person has a background that I didn't even realize. Hmm. And so I was about to get into a dark hole. And um, uh, even the way that I had promoted the course and things like that, it could have been done better. And my audience was really quick to tell me, you know, these are the things that I feel based on what you're doing. And the the interesting thing was this person who I partnered with um, came out with a video talking about how he, on his site, lied about how much money he was making online. Really? Um, Yeah. And he was just, you know, he said that, uh, for for whatever reason, he just had to come out clean, and I and I really respected them for him for that. I would say, yeah, and, that's a positive thing, right? Yeah, but I mean, it just it just became this this newsworthy thing that just put so much negative uh, on on him, and then as a result of mm. my working with him, a lot of negative onto me. Yeah, and so my my aunt was like, dude, you got you know you do not even want to be associated with this person. And so I struggled a lot in my head with that because I was his friend, but then I didn't even know this was happening. And then when I did, I was upset. He didn't even tell me and that sort of thing. But again, my audience was the, the one to point it out to me. And um, they've been really good about, about doing that over time. Um, recently, I mean, a, a smaller example, I've been really slacking on the blog post content because I've been focusing a lot on the podcast. Mm-hmm. And I've had a lot of my audience say, dude, where are your blog posts? Like, <laughs> you are a great writer. We need you. Like, stop like getting lazy about this and then I started to do a lot of deep thinking on that and the reason why I stopped producing blog posts was because I had this notion in my head that I only needed to post the most epic content in the world that it always had to be perfect and the best and that stopped me from writing more and you know I got scared and fearful of what people would think if it wasn't the best. And now recently I've just said, you know what, I just have to write just like I did in the beginning. And uh, again, it was my audience sort of calling me out on that. Yeah, no, I find that very interesting. Now, part of the reason you're able to do that is that you have a very engaged audience. And that was one of the things I wanted to ask you too, is that, um, you know, as a podcaster, you know, I'm a podcaster, I'm not a writer or blogger. And I I don't, I I tried to be and I I don't do that anymore. And I've accepted the fact that the thing I love is the audio form. And and I'm going to focus my energies on that instead of trying to be something else that um, I don't enjoy as much. And, but as you know, with podcasting, you know, um, it's, it's tough because, uh, you know, you may have a hundred thousand listeners in iTunes, but you have no access to them. And so, you know, you seem to have created an audience that you're very and get connected to, you know, like, like you're very connected to them. Mm -hmm. You know who they are. They're not just listeners in the void. And, um, you know, how have you done that beyond just, well, Adam, it took many years of consistency or is that the answer? (laughs) I mean, that's part of it, but I mean, I think I I was able to make a deep connection with people right away and it's, you know, people feel connected to people that open up 
right? Yeah. And I feel like I do a good job of opening up on my podcast. I share bits and pieces of my personal life outside of business that, you know, on the surface might not seem like they have anything to do with what I'm talking about on the blog or podcast, but they have everything to do with building a real relationship with people. Humans connect to other humans, and I want to be a human being and share parts of my life with everybody out there. And I don't spend like hours talking about myself, but I do drop in little lines here and there about what I'm doing. People know I have a son. He's in preschool now and that I'm a big back to the future fan, like all this stuff that might just seem like ridiculous. That's on this show, wasting people's time, but it has everything to do. Like I said, with building a real relationship, therefore it actually has everything to do with my business. Um, so, so opening up and being personal, personable, vulnerable, like you mentioned earlier, is all really important. Um, another thing I've done really well is incorporating a lot of what my audience thinks and, and how they feel, and even sometimes their own voice into the show as well. Not so much on Smart Passive Income, but on my other show, Ask Pat. Each yeah. episode, five days a week, features a question from an audience member. Mm-hmm. So not only do they feel connected with me, that person obviously asking the question followed by my answer, but that person represents the entire community. And it just shows that I'm there listening and I'm there answering people's questions. And a lot of people can relate to those same questions um, as well, which is uh, obviously really important. I mean, there's there's a lot of other ways that I, that I feel like I open up and, and I, I let my audience in. I mean, I feel like I do a good job on when I do an interview, I don't put myself above my audience member at yeah. all. I, and I, I feel like I do that in general, even with the, with the solo shows. Like I'm, I think one of my superpowers is being able to put myself in the shoes of the people I'm trying to teach. And that's a very hard <laughs> thing to do. You know, yeah. the, we have this thing, uh, Chip and Dan Heath from uh, their book, uh, Made to Stick, talk about this thing called the curse of knowledge. When you know something, it's really hard to know what it's like not to know it. Um, you can't unknow something. Yeah. And so it's really hard to teach people who don't know because you know already. But I think I have a good way of reading people and understanding what they need help with and how to help them based on um, what what they don't know. And I think when it comes to interviews, especially on the podcast, is, you know, I don't, you know, if I have a, an author coming on to talk about their book, I don't read the book. Mm-hmm. I don't do too much research because I, I, I want to be on the same level as my audience. I don't want to be above them. Yeah. And I know. You know, I listen to shows sometimes where the person does hours of research to the person they're interviewing and they talk about these things, which they haven't even defined yet. And I'm like, what? I don't, you know, I feel a disconnect there. I'm but so if- glad. Yeah. I'm so glad you do that. Cause I feel better now because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I intentionally don't do research and, and maybe, maybe I'm just lazy, but the reason I don't is because, you know, I, I want to come to every conversation fresh, you know, I, it's, it's, that's the exciting thing is I want to know who Pat Flynn is and. If I spend all this time researching, then it changes the conversation. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you would already know. And then you're on it. You'd have to, it would be a weird conversation to try and get it out of me again if you already knew. Um, yeah. I mean, it, totally. I, I, absolutely. I mean, I have so many people email me each week, actually. Every time a po- uh, an episode comes up, you know, a few days later after people listen to it on the weekend or something, I get emails from people saying, I love how you ask the questions that are on my mind. You know, that's that's exactly what I was going to tell you, because that's what I found, too, is sometimes I go into interviews and conversations and I try to think, okay, how am I going to impress this person? Uh, What 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 are the good questions to ask? You know, I've got like Terry Gross in my head and I want to be, you know, this great interviewer. And and. And really what I found, I found the exact same thing, man. People email me. Sometimes I'll do an, uh, an interview and I'll feel like, man, I just just screwed that whole thing up. I just asked stupid questions because they were the questions I wanted to ask. And people will email me and they'll say, um, those are the questions that I had, you know. And so it's very weird to find out that, you know, 
the questions that I have that I might be, may fear are stupid questions and will make me look like an idiot. Those are actually the questions that my audience has too. So that's what to ask. Like, don't try to sound like an intellectual, you know, who, you know, um, you, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. It's like, you don't want to be like, you know, uh, on chapter four, you right. mentioned this theory <laughs> and here's, here's my thoughts about that. Right. Exactly. No, like no, the, the show that you're creating is for your audience, not for you. Yeah. And that, that, that's, I always keep my audience in, in, in mind, um, when I'm creating content. I mean, it was Jay Abraham who he has a great quote. He says, if you can define the problem better than your target customer, they're going to automatically assume you have the solution. Yeah. And the, the point being, you know, you really have to get to know your audience and get in their heads and use their language and define what they are thinking better than they can, because then they're going to come to you all the time for all the answers. OK, well, so here's a very uh, I don't typically get into specific tactics or whatever on this show. But but so here's a question for you that is a specific tactic. How do you do that? How do you get into your customer's head and get to know them other than just emailing them and asking to have a conversation with them? I mean, that, I mean that's the only way I know how to do it is to have a real one-on-one conversation. I mean, you, you, you can pay attention to what they're saying in the comments. You can run surveys. But I, I don't like those because those are surface-level public I mean, even if the the, the survey is uh, anonymous, it's still like the, the level one answer. Yeah. And the gold of any sort of research comes out of those level nine, level 10 answers uh, to, to questions that are, you know, they, they might answer a question and then you say, well, why? How come you felt like like that? And well, what was the reason for doing this? And you just keep going off of that seed question. And when you get to that ninth or 10th level, that's when you get the gold and information that can help you. And that, I mean, I randomly pick people in my email list and I send emails and it's hard sometimes because they think it's an automated email, but I right. have to tell them, no, this is like a legit personal email. And <laughs> this I've is since, real. Yeah. 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 I've since actually started doing that for my personal email address just to kind of help that a little bit. Cause I was struggling with that actually. Uh, but I was, I, I said, you know what? I would love to get on a Skype call with you 15 minutes. I'm not going to sell you anything. I just want to ask you some questions about the brand and your experience with it and um, see how I can better help you. How and often the, do you do you do that? Do you still do that regularly? Yeah, once a month, uh, maybe five people. Okay. And I, I do them and I schedule them or try to schedule them in batches so that I can just kind of have that be what I'm doing within like a three hour time period. Um, and, and so that, that's, it's just so much fun to talk to your audience members too. Yeah. Um, and, and of course, whenever, whenever I'm in person and like at a conference and people want to chat, like I always take that. Um, I, I always say yes, as much as I can. People come to town through San Diego and just randomly ask like, Hey Pat, like you want to get coffee? I know you're probably busy or whatever. I'm like, yes, let's go get coffee. And then we <laughs> talk for 30 minutes, sometimes two, three hours, depending on what I have to do. And, um, man, I just love those conversations. It gives me so much insight into who my target audience is, what they're doing, why they're listening, what I can do better, all those sorts of things that are going to be much more valuable than, you know, running a survey and getting totally, you know, things like that. Give me an example of something that you have discovered from a conversation with your audience that, um, you know, maybe changed a direction for you or, or just was, you know, this was so big, it like, you know, it had a, it had a real effect on your business. I mean, I mean, this is easy. I mean, back in 2011, I did this, I, and this is when I started, and I discovered that people, when they came to my site, were completely overwhelmed. And I would say maybe three out of every five people I spoke to said that when they initially came to the site, they left. 
And they didn't come back until they just kept hearing about this guy named Pat Flynn and eventually came over and then started reading my content. And it was only after they discovered the content and the podcast that they stuck around. But when they first landed on the homepage, it wasn't doing its job. Mm -hmm. And I probably could have done a better job at looking at the bounce rate and getting into the analytics. But hearing it from somebody's voice saying, I left your site because it was confusing and overwhelming. Yeah. I mean, you can't get any more clear than that. And that's when the most recent design change came into play. And I had Chase Reeves and Corbett Barr from Fizzle.co come to Mm -hmm. San Diego. We locked ourselves in a conference room and just hashed out, okay, what do we want to accomplish on this homepage when people arrive? And that's where the whole phrase that you see now, let's see what works, comes into play. And uh, that's where that was kind of born. And uh, it has just changed so much in my brand that just asking those couple questions and hearing that directly from my audience. Another one was when I went to conferences uh, a couple of years ago, New Media Expo. I sat down and had coffee with a bunch of people. And I always ask the question, well, what do you enjoy most about kind of what I do? And nine out of 10 people said the podcast. Mm -hmm. And I was a blogger at the time. And, you know, I had podcasted too, but I considered myself primarily a blogger. But nine out of 10 people would say, I love the podcast, 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 podcast. Like, what about my blog? Like, I blog all day long. What about my, what about that? Yeah. And they're like, no, 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 the, I, the podcast is great. And they all said, uh, most of them would end up eventually saying the same thing. Pat, I feel like I know you because yeah. I hear your voice. And I'm like, wow, I got to switch because I was doing my podcast biweekly at the time. And that was the only show I had. Now I do that. And immediately I switched to weekly after that. Mm-hmm. And then now I have Ask Pat, which is five days a week, a one-day business breakthrough with Chris Ducker, which is once a week, and I have a food trucker podcast too. And all and, and SPI TV is coming out, which is going to be a podcast as well um, soon. So Yeah. You, the, don't, you the, don't have to sell me on, on, on that. <laughs> I, I, I totally believe in the, uh, the the connection you make through through audio. And yeah, I'm one of those people, man. Like I... I, I occasionally read the blog but um, um, much more more often listen to the show but that leads me to a question you mentioned before you felt like you were slacking on the blog so if your audience is telling you you know they they love the show and you've you've said before in public that your show is the the number one way people find you people love it why do you feel guilty about you know just devoting more of yourself to your shows and less of yourself to the blog I mean, that's a great question. There's a lot of reasons. I mean, part of me is because I, the, the blog had such a big deal. What well, was such a big deal for me when I first started? Yeah. And I feel like what has helped me get to where I'm at now is is kind of being pushed aside. And there, I mean, there, there's a lot of ways to read that. I mean, maybe times are changing and blogging is less important. But I also know that there's specific types of content that I know I can publish that is absolutely helpful. That is specifically for something that's supposed to be written as opposed to audio. Like I can't teach people how to do certain things on a podcast. Yeah. It'd be much easier to do in text. And I just didn't publish those things because I was scared of, of that stuff not being up to, up to the standard. Yeah. And then I got really into this podcast thing and it became very easy. I got more comfortable with my voice. It, it's easier to create a podcast. Like I can just bust oh, yeah. one out in a half hour or an hour now. And the blog post would take me hours. So, yeah. I mean, when you think about it that way, it, t- it totally makes sense that I dropped. But I also feel like there's pieces of content that I need to share that I haven't, and I'm letting my audience down um, by not doing that. Yeah, and these are pieces of content that you don't feel like you could podcast because, like, I've got the same. I've got some articles, but I've just decided, 
you know what? I, I've committed. I, I'm all in on audio and podcasting, so I'm not going to publish those as posts. I'm going to publish them as podcasts, and and that, that's just what I'm going to do. So, but the but for you, these are things that you feel like you just wouldn't work as a podcast. Yeah, co- correct. Um, like if I'm going to give somebody step by step instructions on how to, um, you know, do something technical like set up a podcast, you know, it, yeah. it'd be really hard to teach somebody to set up a podcast with just audio. Yeah. Okay, here, okay, grab the, the one-eighth inch jack, <laughs> right? and it's like a little bit bigger than your pinky, but, you know, no, yeah. just show me a picture. Like, see what I mean? And so that's exactly. kind of where, that, where, where that's coming from. And also, you know, podcasts are great, but they aren't shared quite as often. Mm-hmm. Um, you don't necessarily, you know, Google doesn't necessarily, unless you have a transcript, know what you're saying. So you lose a little bit of the SEO and the traffic that can come in from the long tail keywords from, from that. Um, so, I mean, there's a lot of, I mean, I'm at a point now where I've um, done all three of the platforms, right? I've done blog posts for people who like to read, podcasts for people who like to listen, videos, um, although I, I stopped doing videos for a while, but I'm reintroducing that in mm-hmm. SPI TV soon. That's for videos for people who like to watch. And um, I, you know, I'm comfortable doing uh, all three. Um, I would recommend if you're just starting out, however, picking one just yeah. like you have. And I think that's a really smart and maybe down the road, you'll introduce another uh, leg of your brand. Um, I'm at that point already. Most people, maybe yeah. not yet. Well, okay. So that, that leads directly into, you know, you talk about being a family man and you know, that's all over your brand. And, and I'm the same way I've got, I've got a couple of kids and you know, the whole reason we get into this sort of entrepreneurial online business passive income is so I mean from I don't know I mean for me and I'm, I think for you too it's it's because we want to spend more time with our families and not be tied to a desk necessarily from nine to five but it's very easy like producing making money from producing content um, is is so time consuming and so it can almost have the opposite effect you get into this and you realize you're working more than than you ever were so mm-hmm. I mean you're kind of one of those be everywhere all the time guys. I mean, you're just all over the place uh, with all this different type of content. How do you manage to do that and and accomplish the goal of, you know, giving yourself more freedom to spend with your family and, and do whatever you want? Well, a few things. One, and this was made apparent after my daughter was born and we had two kids at the time after she was born. And that doesn't 2x how much work it takes to take care of kids almost 10x's every time you have a kid <laughs> believe me i know yeah. yeah so you know that was even more time that i wanted to spend with my wife and my son and then my new daughter to make sure i was there and helping to support her so i actually backed off on the number of hours i worked compared to when it was just my son but i ended up doing a lot more and that was because not only did i have the motivation of, of another family member to take care of which is which is huge i mean we always hear about that baby effect yeah but it was the fact that I knew I didn't have many hours to work that I had to make those hours be the best hours and the most optimized hours, mm-hmm. distraction-free, the most productive part of my day. And so I did a lot of things personally to figure out how to be as productive as possible from you know how do, how do I get into my workflow to how do I transition from not to work to work to how do I get back from a distraction after I get distracted um, and back into work mode? How do, what do I eat? When do I work? Um, You know, what do I listen to when I'm working? If anything, Uh, you know, how do I 
set my goals and how do I keep track of them, all those sorts of things. I was making a conscious effort to improve. And I got to the point where I was only working three or four hours a day. Um, and this was, you know, my schedule was adjusted. And, and, and after my daughter was sort of okay with her sleeping pattern, it became me with the kids all day long. And when they finally went to bed at around 9 p.m., I went into work mode and I would work until 1 or 2 a.m. And they were very productive hours, too. That's when I was the most creative. I was a night owl. Nobody was there to distract me, had conversations with my wife. So she knew that that was the only time that I could work. So she didn't, you know, expect me to come and, and hang out. I mean, we did that all day anyway. We spend alone time when the kids are napping. And, and that's how it was for a good number of years. And I got so much done being, being productive in that way. Um, but then I got to a point where there were so many things I wanted to do or had going on that I eventually had to figure out, okay, how can I be more productive, even though I've already done that and optimized, mm -hmm. what can I do? It was either burnout or pull back on the work or hire some help. Yeah. And so I did the latter. I hired some help. Yeah. And um, I have a great team working for me now who they're not employees. They're contracted and they only work on specific projects when those projects are being worked on. I have people editing my podcasts and doing things like that. I have people doing my graphic design work now, which is something that I always did and enjoyed myself. And I've been learning what it's been like to let go of some of the things that, you know, I, I've always tried to let go of things I don't know how to do. I mean, I, I have uh, software and things like that. I don't know how to code. I've always outsourced yeah. that. Then I started learning how to outsource things that I know how to do, but then maybe you just didn't necessarily like to, to do. And then now I'm at the higher level of being able to outsource and let go of things that I know I can do, I like doing, but shouldn't be doing. That's, and that's so tough, man. Oh my like, gosh. I, I don't know how. the hardest part. How do you, that's, uh, that's one of the things for me too, is it's like, you know, sure, maybe I shouldn't be editing my show because it takes so much time. But the reason it takes so much time is because this thing is my baby. I do it exactly the way I want for a particular reason. Like I couldn't imagine outsourcing the production of my, I just couldn't imagine giving that up. Like how, how did you, how did you do that? <laughs> well, it's interesting. My, my buddy, Chris Ducker over at chrisducker.com, he has a great book about outsourcing and, and building a virtual team called virtual freedom. Yeah. And he was, he's my best friend. And for years he was like, dude, you've got to outsource your podcast, man. You're going to free up so much time. I'm like, no, like just like you, it was my baby. And I was not going to let anybody touch it. And I love doing it. I love doing the graphics and the show notes and just making it the exact way that I wanted. I had mm -hmm. fun. I was creative doing it. And then I had this idea for Ask Pat, and there was no way that Ask Pat was going to happen unless I hired help. So yeah. I was like, okay, Ask Pat, that's brand new. I, I'll, I'll see what it's like you know, having somebody else produce that for me. Yeah. So Mindy came on board to do that, and, and we worked really hard in the beginning to make those workflows very, very polished and streamlined to a point where all I have to do is record my answer to these people's questions and send them to her on Dropbox. Everything else is taken care of. And now with literally, it takes me, okay, I, I just calculated this actually because I, I published my annual report and this was a really um, striking stat. Last year I published, I think it was 250 episodes of Ask Pat. Mm -hmm. That's um, a, lot, a lot of episodes. <laughs> and it only took me 44 hours to do that during the whole year. Because I'm wow. able to do a whole week's worth of episode in one hour each Sunday night. Yeah. And because they're, they're, they're shorter episodes. 
and 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 I was like, holy crap! Like if I did this all myself, it would have it would be ten x the time, the amount of time. And then I started to think, well, what if I outsource SPI? Would I get ten x back in time as well? And yeah, I have. Yeah. And it was hard at first in those first couple episodes, even though I was letting other people do it. I would just you know be like a hawk, making sure everything was good, <laughs> reading every single word of the show notes. Like everything was outsourced, including the show notes, the graphics, which I love to do. I come from an architecture background, and that's what I love yeah. to do. But it has opened up so much more free time for me. And my worry was people were going to notice, you know, is my audience going to tell that I didn't edit the show? Nobody has said anything. And, yeah. and, and even after telling people, they're like, really, I didn't know you, you switched it up. Like there was no way to tell. And I was like, Oh, this is perfect. This is awesome. And now I'm spending that time. Um, you know, I've, I've, I've been able to dedicate more time to some bigger projects and other things. Um, and I've been able to spend more time with my family. So it, I mean, that right there for me, especially that last one was like, okay, totally worth it. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so here, here's an interesting question on this. Um, you know, when do you, or when maybe when did you, it's two questions. When did you, and then when does one, um, outsource things? I feel like there's a fine line, like, like sometimes you have to bring in help before you're really ready or able to, in order to get to the next level. Like you can't get to that level without the help. Does that question make sense? Yeah, it does. I mean, it brings the idea, well, how do I know when it's time? Or, I mean, I like when people say, oh, well, I would love to outsource, but I just can't afford it. Yeah, I'm still right. in bootstrapping mode. But then the other side of the coin is, well, how can you afford not to do it? Because exactly. you're never going to move forward. Yeah. And so, I mean, the, there's no real good answer there. You kind of have to, um, you know, be creative with, I think, how you can get things done. I mean, maybe you don't pay somebody in, in money, but maybe you offer some of your services or in exchange for a little bit of work, you do some work for them too. And use your special abilities to help them with what they need. I mean, the pro bono work is something you could obviously do. I mean, there's a lot of different creative solutions, but I, I it's hard. I, I think, you know, especially before you get to a point where you're making income, you feel like you're almost wasting that money. Yeah. But I think what it might take is some careful planning in terms of, okay, if you hire somebody with, to, to do something, what are they doing? But then how much time is that opening up for you? And what are you doing during that time? Is it actually, are you, are you going to be able to get that time back or that money back spent, um, you know, getting help. And, uh, you know, if of course something that goes along with that is just making sure that everything is completely streamlined and optimized. You don't want the people working for you wasting their time either. And that's a way for you to, um, you know, make it even cheaper than it would be just by making it easy for them. And so there's a lot of things to go yeah. along with that. I think, I think the most important thing though, um, except for things like coding software, you want to try it out yourself first, just so you know what the process is like. And then you can create these standard operating procedures that you can then hand to somebody else or, you know, the workflows that you can do. It's, I mean, it, it's kind of cool to, to, to play around with it first and see how you do it so that you can appreciate what happens when somebody else does it for you too. Yeah. So with all your stuff, um, I don't know about the blog and everything, but at least the podcast and you've got how many now? Four, at least four? Four, if you include SPI TV, that's five. Um, one of them's co-hosted, the rest are all solo. Right. So is are all of those um, uh, completely outsourced in the sense that you just mentioned? You've outsourced everything you can except for your voice because you obviously can't outsource that. Yes. Yeah. So they're all they're all that way at this point. Um, I mean, after the first one and seeing the results from that, I was just like, uh, I can't not outsource the other ones. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, okay. So... 
where is this is what I want to ask you where is all this where's all this going for you like why do you are you satisfied are you fulfilled like what 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 is the point of this Pat Flynn empire that you've built I mean like what what are you really trying to get to is it just ultimately where you have all day long to spend with your family and do whatever you want and you've got businesses running without you or um what's 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 i guess this is a complicated way of asking what are you really after in life right well for the longest time it was to get that freedom and time and flexibility so i can spend time with my kids but i'm there i'm doing that it's amazing And then a part of me remembers what, it, what life was like back in 2007 and 2008 when everything was perfect. I was doing everything right. I was in a very happy place in my job in architecture and thought I was completely secure. And then one day getting called into my boss's office and him telling me I was going to be let go, like yeah. having it all taken away from me. And I, I can't help but think about that and that it might happen to me now and it can happen to anybody. Yeah. And so that, that's what keeps me going. Just, you know, you can never be too secure, I think. But, I mean, you can get – you can become too um, obsessed with be, trying to be too secure. But, uh, you know, you also want to enjoy life and not hustle all the time and, and, and love and be able to, you know, enjoy the things around you. Uh, but, but I'm at that place that I, I – you know, thought it was going to take me a little bit more while uh, a while to get to. Now, what's driving me is seeing all the success stories come out of the Smart Passive Income blog community, and um, you know, just focusing on my audience and what I can do to better help them. I mean, my life is awesome. I'm just so happy with how things have turned out. I want the same thing for other people too, um, and and so I'm doing whatever I can to help them uh, through through all this content delivery and and um, interaction on the blog and podcast and social media. Uh, beyond that, I mean, something I've been really, really big about uh, this year, especially now that my kids are older and they're sort of following what I do now and understand things that I do, uh, is, is a lot more philanthropic work. I mean, I did a campaign in uh, 2014 on my birthday in December to build a school in Ghana. And I actually decided to get my community involved after I interviewed Adam Braun from Pencils of Promise. And uh, they got really excited about that. So I was like, okay, we're going to run a campaign. We're just going to try and raise you know $25,000, which builds one school. And I will match that. And so we were able to raise $25,000 in the community. My family and I gen- uh, donated and matched that. So we were now able mm-hmm. to build two schools. And that was just such a cool thing to have the whole community come together and even those who didn't donate but still saw that happening I think it has made it a, an effect on them and ha, have, has them thinking about how they might be able to give back too and most importantly like going back to my kids like I said you know my how, son, how old are they now by the way my son is five my daughter's two so maybe less okay. so my daughter but my son like every morning during the campaign, I mean, I got him involved every morning. He would wake up and ask how much more money we had to, to help build the schools for the kids in, in Africa. And uh, <laughs> awesome. once we once we met our goal, he was like literally jumping up and down and just so excited. Like I want to ingrain in his head how amazing it is to give. And for everybody else out there following along too, like I want to lead by example. And I feel like if I were to just quit and be happy and complacent with where I'm at now, that's not the example I want to set. And yeah. it's not about money and success anymore. It's about what I can do to give back to those less fortunate. And hopefully that spreads throughout um, everybody who's involved with the community. Do you see yourself, you know, where you are financially now? I know a lot of people go down the road of, well, they start investing and, and doing all that sort of stuff in other companies. And, you know, it just seems like a natural, just like people start out as freelancers and they eventually move to products and stuff like right. that. I mean, do you are you a big planner? Do you have like the five year Pat Flynn plan, or, or is it more of a you know 
you're you're kind of winging it and just seeing what happens. I mean, it's more like a. I mean, family wise, we have a, a year plan in terms of like okay, or a five year plan in terms of okay, where do we want to be? Where where are we going to be in in school wise? What vacations are are we going to take and things like that? And that's, um, you know, that's important to to us as a family. Business wise, um, it's hard. You know, it's hard to predict what's going to happen in five years. So the, the goals are a little bit more abstract and uh, less solidified. Like I want to have. X number of Facebook fans in five years is that yeah. like you don't even know if they're going to be around by then, yeah. or maybe it's something else. I don't know. So it's hard to put those specific goals. But I mean, I I, I just want to make sure that in five years, in ten years, twenty years, that my values stay the same, that I'm still on the right track. I still have um, this trust that I have with my audience, and so that helps guide me in terms of the decisions I make as well. Um, what do you yeah, do? I'm, what are you doing to? Because I want the same thing, man. I, I want yeah. the same thing, like to make sure that twenty years from now. You know, I'm still authentic and vulnerable and real. And and are you doing anything specifically to? I mean, other than the things you've mentioned about, you know, the your, the, the dad test and the kid test. You know, yeah. what what are you doing to to help ensure that? Uh, I'm journaling every day. That's been something new in my life the last couple months. Um, every morning, I, I write in my five minute journal. And there's some prompts in there to write down what you're grateful for, what would make today awesome, what you wish you did better. And that's that's really helping me focus and keeping in line every day with sort of who I am and who I want to be. Yeah. And that's um, that's that's really helped you, the journaling, like you've seen improvement oh, yeah. in your life. Oh, totally. I mean, it's just so gratifying to uh, take a moment every day to think about the amazing things that are happening and to sit down at night and see what could have been done to be improved or, the, or reflect on the day and how awesome it was. I mean, I think a lot of us go to bed every day not really thinking about all the things we accomplished. Yeah. And this is a way for me to be thankful for the things that I got done and also make improvements every single day, incremental improvements that will over time add up and help keep me going in that right direction. Journaling for me was something I thought was like, no, that's like what girls do when they're teenagers, you know, when they have, they break up with their boyfriend and they just, you know, let it all out. And I was, and, and then after hearing Hal Elrod on episode 140 of my podcast, who talked about the morning, the miracle morning and journaling every day and things like that, I, I, I just had to try it. And, yeah. uh, it's just been, it's definitely been life changing too. And my, my wife is starting to do the same thing now too. That's awesome. Well, last question. What what does a typical day look like for you now? You described it before. I, I'm the same. I'm where you're at, where you were before. Like I, I love the night hours. I'm um, doing that kind of thing, spending more time during the day with my family. But um, you're, you're outsourcing a lot of things. You've got a team. You've got a lot going on. Just what what is a day in the life of, of Pat Flynn? Well, it's the complete opposite of what I mentioned before. And this is just recently, again, after listening to that episode or uh, conducting that interview and having people listen to that episode. It's episode 140 because I had heard on Tim Ferriss' podcast and so many other podcasts that were interviewing successful entrepreneurs that they all had this thing called a morning routine where they'd wake up before everybody else in the house and they get these things done in a ritualistic yeah. manner. And I was like, what? Like, I've never tried that. I'm a <laughs> night owl. I would never do that. Me too. Yeah. And I was like, you know what? There's, I mean, I, I love to experiment and try new things and optimize. And that's something I've never tested and tried out before. So I have implemented the miracle morning routine as <laughs> outlined in this book. And so my, my day starts at 5 a.m., which if you told me I was going to be waking up at 5 a.m. even a year ago, I would have been like, 
Yeah. No, never. (laughs) But it has been completely amazing to wake up on purpose for myself to be able to do things that I need to do on my own. It's sort of flipped. It's sort of like what I had before, but flipped around instead of nighttime, it's morning to myself now. And I do a lot of things in a ritualistic manner and, you know, keeping those decision making processes out of my morning. I yeah. save all the decision-making processes for, for, you know, when I'm at work and stuff. So, um, I, you know, I wake up for myself now. I journal. I meditate. Um, I, I get a glass of water to rehydrate after sleeping, and then I go exercise. And, um, you know, I do so much before, you know, 7 a.m. And mm-hmm. even, if, even if the day were to be done then, I can already be happy with what I've been able to accomplish. Yeah. Um, and then the kids get up. And then I don't have to worry about – you know, all those other things I can be with them mentally and, and checked in with them physically and yeah. mentally, uh, take them to school. And then when I start work, um, you know, in the afternoons now, uh, it's just, it's just great. I've, I've been able to get so much more done. The meditation has helped in so many ways in terms of my focus and productivity. And when I get distracted, being easily able to come back into work mode. I mean, it's just, the, so, the, so the afternoons are, you know, the, that, that early morning five to seven, is just your time, personal, growth development stuff and and the afternoon it's 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 not the mornings but it's the afternoons when you focus on on your all your work stuff correct so my wife and i we take care of the kids and hang out together until about 1 p.m so we have lunch together and then at 1 p.m that's when i go to go get into work mode i step into Mm -hmm. my office at the house or like right now i I head downtown to the co-working space just to kind of get out and and for a little bit and uh, then at five o'clock, I'm done. So I'm, I'm literally working just about four hours a day. Now, of course, if there's a launch happening or some big projects, I'll uh, trade some time here and there, maybe stay up a little later. After the kids are asleep, I'll get some more work done. But typically, it's just one to five each day. I imagine you have to have um, a very, very organized schedule for to for that to work. Because like, you can't show up at noon or one or whatever time it was and wonder, hmm, what am I going to do today? Like... I imagine oh. it's it's very planned out. It is very planned out. I mean, every Tuesday is the day that I do podcast interviews. Like I know that that's the case, and it's just made it so easy to schedule too. Because I find I found that I was wasting so much time going back and forth with people. Then, hey, when do you want to talk? Oh, well, are you free here? Are you free here? <laughs> now I just send them my Calendly link, which is all set up for Tuesday between one and five, and they just pick what's available. And I know every Tuesday when I wake up, that's my day to be on top of my interview game, and that's it. And then Wednesday is my team day where I talk to my team and I plan. And right after this call, I actually have another uh, sprint meeting with them. And then uh, Monday is the day that I kind of, uh, you know, do all of my planning and stuff for the rest of the week. And all, and then Thursday and Friday are workhorse days where I, where I get things accomplished so I can go into the weekend clean and free in my mind. And so it's just, I mean, it's very specific and ritualistic. And can you very, be... Can you be spontaneous in this? Like if you just decided, you know what, I need to get away with the family. I'm going to disappear for two weeks. Would the whole empire fall apart or is it built in such a way where you could do that? That's the coolest part is everything is completely flexible. And actually in June, I'm taking uh, almost a whole month off and actually going to be checking out for almost the whole month uh, two or three weeks off the grid, the whole thing. That's going to um, be hard. <laughs> it is going to be hard. I've never done it for that long before, yeah. but, um, you know, Michael Hyatt does this, Amy Porterfield, and they just say it's just amazing to just kind of refresh for a little bit and, and reset before getting back into work mode. Well, I hope that you'll do like a, an, an episode or something about what that was like, because uh, it sounds great, but I know even for me, you know, just the way my mind works on vacations, I, I'm just... It's hard to disconnect because I'm excited about what I'm making and producing, so it's hard to to 
force it out of my mind, you know? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I wonder how, I wonder how that'll go for you. So hopefully yeah. you'll, you'll write about it or talk about it or something. I definitely will. Um, and the videos that are coming out in June are related to taking time off for yourself, you know, taking uh, time away from your business. So like, see, I, I know exactly what's happening each month this year in terms of the type of content I'm, I'm producing. And so, yeah. um, you know, again, making all those decisions in batches and using that fuel tank that you have in your head for decision makings in, in strategic batches so that I'm not just sitting in front of a blank screen wasting time wondering, um, what's this blog post going to be about? Sure. Well, that's awesome, man. I, I really appreciate you taking the time to come on this show. And uh, this was this was a great conversation. And thanks, man. Appreciate it, Pat. Thank you for having me. Well, that's it, folks. That's the show. Thanks for listening. Thanks, Pat, for coming on the show, sharing your time with us and your immense knowledge and wisdom i enjoyed that conversation quite a bit couple things to recap if you want to win a free t-shirt from cotton bureau this week then head over to avclark.com slash free and get in on the giveaway and win a free t-shirt uh the second thing is if you want to donate to the show you like it you feel like supporting it then the first thing you can do is tell people about it tell your friends about it second thing you can do is you can go to avclark.com slash support and uh, throw in a dollar or two. I, I got set up. I got hooked up with Gumroad there, where you can uh, you can give me a little one-time donation or recurring donation or whatever suits you best. I've had a few people do it already, and it means a lot. I really do appreciate that. You can follow along on all the socials. I'm Av Clark on Twitter and TGM Podcast on Facebook. Look me up there. Send me an email, adam at evclark.com. I love getting emails as I proved in the intro of this show. Uh, feel free to do that. I will respond. I love dialoguing that way. Finally, as I've mentioned, please take advantage of the offer from Fizzle. I'm telling you, I just just do it. It's a no-brainer. It's free. And then you, you don't have to stay if you don't want to. But just go in there and sign up and look me up and let's connect. There's a lot of people, amazing people in there doing really cool stuff, and I'd love to connect with you there. So go to fizzle.co slash TGM and get signed up. All right? Okay, well, that's all I've got for you this week. Hope you're having a great Monday. And again, thanks for listening, and I will see you next time. I'm sort of just an old guy with a big tongue. That's I'm just a big old tongue old man. That's all that is. Um, that's sort of how many words am I at?